Hello, Greg. Hi, Jeff. Anything happened this week? Not that I can tell. No? Pretty pretty boring week. <laughs> I don't want to get into politics until the, the, the post-show when I get some alcohol in me first. <laughs> um, I will say I was wrong. Everybody was wrong. Uh, lots of people were wrong, and um, it's that that uh, that happens. And um, let's yeah, let, let's let's skirt that <laughs> subject for now, if that's okay. Okay. What else happened this week? <laughs> well, okay. L- let me let me start talking about uh, uh, Westworld a bit. Okay. I, I caught up on Westworld. All right. So uh, and I. F- I actually had, I think my favorite episode was the fifth episode. Which one was the fifth episode? That was, uh, there's a lot of stuff with the man in black in that episode. That was one where okay. he had the conversation with, uh, with, oh, with um, uh, Anthony Hopkins. With Anthony Hopkins, yeah. Okay. I, I loved that scene. I, I kind of fell in love with the whole thing uh, during that scene. Okay. Uh, part of part of it was the, the allegorical nature of that scene, right? Because, I mean, that was very much a, it was a play on the whole God meets the devil uh-huh. scene. Right. But it also played on it with the very, with, with a, uh, <laughs> you okay there? Yeah. With a very sort of modern take on it, which is not classical theistic, with more of a Greek god's take on it. Uh, where, as as the man in black said to, said to Teddy, mm-hmm. you know, this man is responsible for everything good and everything bad in your life. And you're just like, yep. And it was very much like you know the the creatures, earthlings, if you will, from mm-hmm. from the perspective of the theist, from the theist allegory perspective, okay. are there as playthings almost for both of them to kind of play with, and mm-hmm. uh, and neither of them is in the right or in the wrong necessarily, but they both have their different perspectives, and they kind of are willing to sort of hash it out, talk to each other, and just let, let each other play. Right. Which was kind of, I, I really liked that, instead of it being just, this guy is good, this guy is evil, really just playing, hey, well, sure. these are just, these are, this is Zeus and Apollo talking to each other, where, where some mortal at the table just kind of mystified and not really understanding. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, I, I like how you brought that up, right? Because, I mean... There's several scenes in Westworld where the hosts are kind of, they just kind of don't comprehend mm-hmm. the reality talk, the the outside of Westworld talk. It just kind of goes over their heads in the program that way to, to filter that stuff out. Right. But watching Teddy sit there, like you just said, like if a mortal was sitting at the table with, you know, superior beings or gods mm-hmm. or something, it would just, you know, he'd be lost. He wouldn't understand it and... That's exactly what it was. Other than you know the um, the safety thing where right. no one can harm Anthony Hopkins, you know, and he went you know completely yeah grabbing the knife that. yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I, I liked the Man in Black. You know, um, it was an episode or two earlier. You know where he was really starting to try to hack the game. Is mm-hmm. when 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 you when when it became apparent he wasn't just coming to Westworld to be. Uh, to fulfill his darkest right. desires, which is that's what it looked like at first, right? Mm-hmm. It looked like he just came to rape and murder, and that's not the case. Yeah, he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't care about these little mm-hmm. doll things, uh, other than, um, in some sense, 
he he I, I feel I get the feeling that he, he relishes playing a bit of a role as he said you know it always seems this part needed a mm-hmm. needed a villain right but at the same time he he isn't um, he's not encumbered by the moral situation but he's not like he doesn't feel like the need to overdo it mm-hmm. he's just in charge he's doing what he needs to do to get what he needs to get done and he, he will he will go as far as he needs to and he won't go further you have a spider behind you. Well, it's hard to see. It's hard. It's easier for me to see in the black drop. Is he like hanging down? From the yes, ceiling? he's hanging down from the ceiling. He's actually coming. Let me see if I can grab him. <laughs> oh, I see him. I got him. Yeah. Just didn't want him to jump on top of you. You can just let him. Yeah. Let him go. Find his way. <laughs> I know. I mean, that's a. Those are good points. Um, interesting how um, the madam. I forget her character's Maeve, name. right? Yeah, that's it. You know, how she's she's kind of hacking out of Westworld where the man in black's trying to hack into Westworld. Mm-hmm. And um so the last was it was the last episode, right, where they like turned her attributes way up and she kind of had this moment of clarity. Right. And that's like right when it ended, right? I think. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how she she's gonna be Neo in the Matrix now type thing, right? Which, well, see, I, I saw an interesting video where somebody pointed out, why don't they just, I mean, it's clear that they have some hosts who understand what's going on. Like the the um, the lady host who, who uh, in the second episode, introduces William and says, hey, oh. you know, right? I mean, they, they clearly have some hosts who know what the yeah. deal is. Why don't they just make them actors? Why <laughs> bother with making them think that the world is real? I would... Uh, I mean, when you think the world is real, the world is real, so it's a better experience for your customers, right? Maybe, but I mean, the world isn't real. The world keeps resetting every every day or couple days. We're not not quite sure exactly how that works. Right. Uh, The they keep resetting their memories, but there isn't really a need for that. It seems the um, there isn't a need to make them actually feel pain. They could just simulate pain and then, you know, wake up later and say, hey, that was good. You did a good performance there. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I think they're... I talked about this early on, this whole, like, emergence property of the hosts. Mm-hmm. And I think it, if, if that's going to be a storyline that, you know, comes through and seems like it is, uh, I think that having them... And, and it's a better it's a better story for uh, us in our our world, right? I mean, we're discover we've discovered the world as we know it, mm-hmm. and whether we can or cannot tell what's going on outside of our world, type thing. And they're doing the same thing; they're having the same kind of self discovery of their environment of their world. So, I think making them actors. Now, there's functionally running the park, and then there's telling a good story. And they're not yeah. the same thing, right? right? Yes, yes. So, I think this tells a better story. Mm-hmm. Functionally running the park, you might have a point. It's hard to say. Well, but... it, it, it tells... I mean, the thing is that this story is fundamentally the same story arc as Jurassic Park, which is uh, don't, inter- don't meddle in, in the thing... Don't meddle in the affairs of gods in some sense, right? <laughs> like, don't... Right. Don't if you if you set things up to be a simulate a simulation, that simulation is going to get out of control. However, if you 
don't actually consider it to be a, a, a simulation. Like I said, if you put in actors in, simulation will, in, in a sense, not jump out of control because they, they could always stop things before it gets right. too far. Th- th- this is the dinosaurs getting out of control. In this case, it's just the dinosaurs are, are android people as, as opposed to big li- you know big lizard birds with lots mm-hmm. of teeth. Right. Um, the concept is still fundamentally... like It's the same basic story, which is fine. I talked about before how there are seven basic stories in, in, uh, right. in the language of, of storytelling. But, yeah, it doesn't mean it's not interesting. It doesn't mean that, yeah, there's, there's not a very interesting story to tell here. Uh, I... That was like I said. That, that fifth episode was the one where I was like, "Ooh, okay, there's some really cool allegorical stuff you can you can pull in here." Uh, and then the last episode was more more sci sci fi nerdy, but mm-hmm. I appreciated all the sci fi nerdy stuff that was happening right. as well. Yeah. So, um, like you said, it's kind of maybe not as deep as the wire, as wide as the wire. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, some kind. Yeah, they're fighting industrial espionage. Mm-hmm. You have internal conflict with some of the founders and longtime employees. You know, there's all kinds of elements. This. And then you have the the things becoming sentient and you know discovering. You yeah. know, it's like my question is, where are the other parks? Right? Did they only make a western? Oh, world? Only make a western. I mean, in in the movie, I never watched the movie, but mm-hmm. I know that in the movie they had a Rome world and. Um, Another world, I think. So they it wasn't just Westworld. Okay. Uh, and it seems like that would right that would be the case if you were. I mean, Disney has Epcot Center, right? It's not just right. <laughs> they don't just have Japan Land. They have all different types of stuff. It seems like you would want to do that. You would want to make a a future world and a and a um, a Rome world that, that that seems like Rome world would be great for especially if you if you just wanted sex you wanted all types of crazy sex yeah. which a lot of people seem to be in, into do that um, the um, you know you're talking about how like functionally running the park and whether to have the androids be shootable actors and mm-hmm. stuff like that you know the thing I'm curious about is like how do they manage like the boundary of the park right like no one's ever made it to the edge what. <laughs> the man in blacks never came for a week and just started riding in the same direction, you know? Like, how do you never get to, like, the fence or whatever it is at the end of the park? Um, I don't know. I mean, if if it's, like, a big area, if it's, like, a Yellowstone area, that's a big area. Yeah, but you got a horse in a week. You can get across it. A robot it, horse. Yeah. Maybe things get more and more twisted towards you get towards... You know, they say it gets harder as you get out, yeah. right? So maybe you just run into so many roadblocks that you just can't proceed. You know, mm-hmm. there's the tunnel with the army and you just can't get through the or tunnel. Or maybe it's just, it's all in some gigantic, like, uh, gigantic pit and you simply can't scale the walls together or something. It seems like never, no one's seen the boundary though. That's the thing. So it's not like they've gotten to the wall. I'm like, okay, I can't scale, climb that. Mm. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I don't remember that piece of dialogue. I'm sure it, I'm sure it happened. I just remember, don't remember that piece of dialogue, but nobody's mm-hmm. found their way out. Who knows? Got another little clump in this. <laughs> Last time we did on the show, it had a clump in it too. So yeah, Westworld. I'm I'm digging more and more as I'm watching. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to really really get into it. So yeah, I'm looking forward to see you know. And you know, the nice thing is it's probably more. I mean, it's what. What am I trying to say? As it opened up, 
it seemed like a mini series. Mm-hmm. It seems like, you know, 10 episodes tell the story. But it's an HBO show, so who knows where it's going to go right. over the couple seasons. It could get, you know, really interesting. All the I mean, there was the industrial espionage aspect of Jurassic Park, right? Where another, mm-hmm. an, another a company wanted to get, wanted to clone their own dinosaurs. Right. And in the book, at least, they were, that other company wanted to make toy baby dinosaurs as pets like little little baby t-rexes that could be okay turned into baby t-rexes well what, like what could go wrong well i mean if if you if you do it right and you do the genetics and you can control, control genetics to that degree <laughs> you can remove the teeth you can make them docile you can do all these kinds of types of things if you don't try to make them real dinosaurs and simply try to make them cuddly dinosaurs and you can. I, I don't know, but I mean, like <laughs> I was just saying, what could go wrong? <laughs> Lots of things, but hey, we we've done that with dogs, mm-hmm. right? And right. what can go wrong is is well, we've populated the world with with dogs that are about, they're going to die because of horrible diseases. Yep. So that's what we would do with dinosaurs. <laughs> We'd make a whole bunch of horrible dinosaurs that would die because of diseases. <laughs> okay. Um. What else? What else is there? There's lots of stuff that happened this week, other than the uh, the tonight's show. the super moon. Tonight is the super the moon. Super moon. I, I looked at it; and it was very uh, about two percent bigger than normal. It's very bright. Um. Oh. Um. Hmm. Okay. Meated beers. We can talk about them in the pre-show <laughs> on, on the on the record show. I mean, you always you always wanted meated beers. I I no, I didn't say I wanted meated beers. It was one of my kind of tongue-in-cheek predictions uh-huh. that had a reasonable chance of coming true. I'm surprised that a scrapple beer is out before like bacon beer is well known. I could have sworn there's been a bacon beer, I'm, right? I'm sure there has been a bacon beer, but it's been the Voodoo Donut. With the bacon stuff in yes. it already. But so I would have expected, like, bacon beer being a thing. You know, where it's not a thing. Right. But, yeah, meated beers. They they exist? Okay. What else is there? I posted that link. So, one of the Christmas presents we're looking at getting the kids is the Three Doodler. Do you know what the three doodler is? No, I saw. I, I, okay, I see this. The video. So I linked the video for a different. Oh, reason. this is a pen. I've seen something like this where you draw a pen in three D, and it. It's it's like a three D printer extruder thing, but it cools so fast you can actually draw up and like ah, off the I thing. See. Okay. Yeah. So they have a kids version, and these guys are reviewing the kids version. I think we're going to go for the regular version. Kids version seems really slow. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't have a hot tip. It's battery powered. You know, it's great for kids but i think like it's we old enough that the the regular version just seems a little more versatile more flexible more usable but <laughs> here i gotta play the beginning of this video for everyone it, it is absurd so these are the this is a youtube channel where people do product reviews toy like toy product reviews mm-hmm. and we're not going to listen to the whole thing but just Listen to how woefully unprepared they are for this review. 
Hey guys, it's Mike and Holly. We've got something coming oh up. It's Mike it's and Holly. Doodler start, I guess. Is that the whole title? Because oh. uh, it says 3D doodler, 3D doodler start on there also. Oh yeah, it does. So this, I wouldn't assume this is necessarily like the start. So you can't see the tiny little. <laughs> no, you don't need to see it. Just need to listen. All right. Not three, not 3D doodler. It's three. Oh. So they got the name wrong right off the top. It's the three doodler. Three doodler. Like so we do need to thank. Wobbler. Wobble works. Wobble works. I'm just not ready. <laughs> Sounds like our show. <laughs> there you go. But if we were doing this, we would have cut and started over right now. They they just power no. through. No, you wouldn't have. <laughs> you, have you listened to our show? Is it have a where is it? There's a little. Let me help you out. There's a little like pen controller type thing. Yeah. Oh, and this you, is the pen set. Essentials pen. They don't set. even know what it yeah. is, and they're reviewing it. That's that's a little weird. You basically draw stuff. Mm-hmm. So kind of whatever you can... I mean, there's some of the stuff that that was drawn. It's showing this. the box. Whatever mm-hmm. you can think <laughs> of. Some cool stuff on the back there. You can use this. and ju- It just draws. Yes. Um, it <laughs> just does draws. have a heat mechanism in it, but it's not like... I think it's safe to the touch. We have to read directions <laughs> on this. We've not done that yet. I um, also have here the... Um, yeah. One of the little sets that you can get. This is the robot and rocket. And you can kind of see that they include these... I just I wanted I was looking for real life reviews of how this thing really works, uh-huh. and actually this is a pretty good example of how someone who doesn't read the directions uses the thing, sure. right? So so it was well, it's an embarrassingly unprepared review. Once you get past this nonsense, and when they start using the thing, you can kind of see who someone who isn't tr- like doesn't even know how to use it, right. like what happens. And uh, this is the kids' version. Like I said, I think the adult version is going to be, or the regular version, the Three Doodler 2.0, is probably a better way to spend the money. So we're going to get that for the kids. Cool. All kinds of 3D sculpted, printed (laughs) stuff all over the place. Um, Speaking of 3D, I'm like, I'm looking at a 3D printer. I'm like, I really want one of those. I can see why you'd want one of those. Yeah, I really want one of those. I'm looking at a kit that's like, 500 bucks. I'm like, it's not that expensive. That's about how much I'm looking into. I'm, you know, getting a VR stuff that was Mm -hmm. similar. So, yeah, what got me on the kick was I was looking for um, ideas for Allie. And and that's kind of an idea in its own. But there's, um, you can take a Raspberry Pi. There's a kit that'll turn into a Game Boy. Like, the form factor of a Game Boy and everything, and then you know plays all the ROMs, so it plays more than Nintendo games. But it doesn't come with the case, and the put you they give you the plans to three D print the case, or you can go on Etsy and buy it. But you know, so I'm like, I got to spend twenty five dollars on the case that I buy from Etsy, or maybe I just get the three D printer. <laughs> we had to buy the printer, the stuff to print the case with, yes. right? The the the, the mm-hmm. Lego plastic, yeah. Um, Set up, do all the setup and all the other stuff. Make sure. Oh, and if I buy a kit, I got to assemble the printer from yes, parts, right? Which saves you about two hundred dollars on a you know five hundred dollars of parts as opposed to like an eight hundred dollar printer or something mm-hmm. like that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, I mean, you're the kind of guy who I would trust to build that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, it'd be awesome to have a three D printer. It'd be awesomer to kind of timeshare it with a few people because I don't need 100% duty cycle on well, a 3D printer. Well, that's what Etsy is for, right? In the sense that you, you that's what they're doing. They're timeshare. You are 
Wow, you're you you bought a printer so you can make these things and people can buy them. I mean, like you said, it doesn't cost twenty five dollars for you to make. It would cost maybe three dollars in total for you to make. But you're using Etsy as sort of a timeshare for your printer. That's right. I was thinking more so of instead of me having to sell products that people want, you know, find nearby nerds who you know we can all borrow the printer type thing. You know, it'd be I don't know get. How I mean, like I said, how often are you going to use your 3D printer? Not every day. Maybe the first week you'll use it every day. Yeah. And then after that, it'll be when you have a project or something. And I'm sure there's lots of people that would, you know, get a be nice to pay one third of a thousand dollar printer. Yeah, but I mean, like the the thing about it is, you either are building pre built stuff, or you really have to learn how to design your own stuff. I mean, if mm-hmm. there's going to be times when I'm sure you're going to be, man, I wish I could make a little plastic thing that could hold this in the right way, and then you got to figure out, okay, well, how do I design this? You have to go through all the <laughs> steps right. of of designing something in in a 3D program, and and right, yeah, I mean, actually, I mean, that's part of what I was looking at doing. I wasn't getting it just to print yeah. plans that I downloaded, but, you know, to actually model things to, I don't know, but I'm not sure if I'm going to pull the trigger. Probably not this Christmas season. Maybe prices, prices keep dropping on them yeah, and they, everything. They, they so, but, well. oh man, I want a 3D printer. <laughs> I want a replicator. T, Earl Grey, hot. Yep. <clears throat> Um, let's see other other stuff. You want to look inside my knee? Yeah. There's some pictures from. Oh, is this a spur? Is it a bone spur? The cartilage. Oh, oh cartilage. Wait, wait, let me. What are you looking at? Yeah, this is kind of. They cleaned this up. That was some cartilage. That okay. Was kind of torn, or I don't know what the technical term is. Huh. And then if you see the part where my inside of my kneecap looks like a golf ball, yeah. that's the micro drilling that they did to help ah. with stimulate healing, get the stem cells and stuff going. Interesting. Cool. How's it feel? It's getting there. They they told I don't know if I told you this, but you know that that micro drilling cartilage regeneration thing um, said give it like three or four months. So it'll be through the winter before. Um, mm. You know, completely healed, and we'll see what kind of recover I have from then. Um, I still can't really, I can't run yet. Maybe if I put my brace on and ran, I could run, but it would be running with pain, like sure. I had before surgery. So they don't want any uh, physical therapy. They just want me to chill and let that cartilage regrow. I can understand that. So, um, have you seen? Have you, did you watch the Planet Earth two that I put on your? I watched the first one. Yeah, yes. yeah. It, well, you know, it's very. T- I actually, I subscribed to it with Sickbeard. It hasn't pulled any down yet. I guess these are aired in the BBC, or these are these not aired yet. Or, these are on the BBC. Yeah. Okay. I wonder why Sickbeard hasn't found them yet. Maybe I, maybe I don't have the the resolution. You can set like how big of a file you want, like resolution wise. And maybe I accidentally left it set it standard definition, and no one's going to rip a. <laughs> No one's going to post the standard definition version of right, yeah. Planet Earth, so maybe that's why they haven't pulled them down yet. But um, very timely because we just finished watching Frozen Planet, and now that you know the clocks have changed and it's cold out, we're watching a lot more of that. So right now we're work- we watched the second episode of Micro Monsters, which mm-hmm. is an insect one. Yep. It's about it's a half hour show, so it's a lot shorter than than their premiere series is, but. Oh, great photography. Yeah. You know, macro photography, 3D, like, 
they do this thing where they it's not 3D on the TV, but it, they use 3D type technology so they can have a deeper field of focus and stuff like that. I think it is there is a 3D version of it. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. And uh, and then we were watching Great Barrier Reef. I was telling Greg he needs to you know sit down with Elliot and Max and watch one of these shows because they know like they they know as much. I mean, overall, I know more than mm-hmm. they do, but there's things where like, oh, yeah, like talking about like the leaf-tailed lizard. Like, yeah, they know about the leaf-tailed lizard because they've seen it on Wild Kratts. And, <laughs> you know, and then we we're watching the Great Barrier Reef and Ellie's like, oh, I hope they show the parrotfish. And like right then, cut to the parrotfish. <laughs> you know, so she knew what was coming. Cool. Uh, yeah, there's a, whole, there's a whole series they have on Galapagos, which is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Planet Earth, the, the very first episode was really great. They had one scene where it was on Galapagos actually where the, they had the lizard running from the snakes oh yeah that was a great like story scene where the snakes just came out of nowhere yeah, and one managed to get away and you see it like it gets it looks like it's done for it gets caught mm-hmm. and then it just manages to scurry away out of the snakes it was great yeah yeah, I'm looking forward for the rest of that series. Uh, I, was, I told you on Slack tonight, I'm like, David Attenborough's not allowed to die. Yeah. <laughs> He's just too good. Um, another thing I want to show you is I brought this. This is I told you about it last week. Okay. This is my um, attempts to make these uh, concepts, these science concepts, simpler. That's okay. My notes that I'm writing down about how to elucidate simple concepts. And I think I talked about this with you before, is gravity a force where gravity has, you know, people recognize it as, or at least if you have read up on it at all, you know that there's, uh, there's objects produce gravity, but we see it as geometric. We see it as a sort of thing. And Mm -hmm. what does that mean when, uh, People say, well, that the gravity is a force, because when we talk about electromagnetism, we talk about particles, and gravity, we don't talk about particles. So is gravity a force in the same way? Okay. Now, my explanation here is that, well, you can look at electromagnetism in the same way as gravity. You can see uh, spatially how it disturbs space and how charged particles follow the disturbed space of okay. the electromagnetic field. It's the same concept. Mm-hmm. Um this is just the classical version. And the thing is, the classical version uh, of electromagnetic potential is not as useful as the quantum version. Doesn't have as much predictive power. But gravity, we don't have a quantum version. But other than that, they're, right. they're the same process. So that's why it's the same same idea, ultimately. Okay. Sure. Yes. Uh, what are electromagnetic waves? This is because um, my cousin was asking me about, she says she knows that you know, one goes, when she sees it, and it looks like this kind of weird thing where it goes up and down, up and down in different directions. She says, but what is that? And I didn't know how to answer the question. Okay. <laughs> I said, it's a really good question. I kind of thought about it some, and my best uh, way of, of coming at it was that these are, when you see the, the lines go up and down, and you maybe will see the little parabolas go with them, uh, what you're seeing is just a mathematical obfuscation of what really is this kind of three-dimensional bur- bubble in the space, and that is what you need to kind of picture in your mind. So there's, a, there's little bubbles of potential coming up in different mm-hmm. directions as it goes through. We just describe it with these interesting uh, graphical lines. 
Okay. All right. Why is the uh, graviton theoretical? I think I talked about this a little bit with you at one point. This requires sure. a little bit of understanding of like just basic Feynman diagrams where you, where you have uh, some sort of photon interacting with two electrons, for example. Okay. And my point is, like, if you look at this, this is sort of a standard interaction. Uh, this is something where there's a so-called loop, where the photons sort of self-interact in between. This is rarer. This happens. This is unlikely to happen. This with two loops is very unlikely to happen. This with three loops, extremely unlikely to happen. So at a certain point, you can start ignoring these possibilities. Okay. In gravity, these don't become less likely to happen. Okay. So we don't know how to deal with them. So these self interactions, we we can't make. So we can't say that a three self interaction is less much as likely to happen to one self interaction. So we can successfully ignore an eight self interaction. It gets way too complicated to include that in the math. We can ignore it because unlikely to happen. But this kind of thing, we can't ignore that in gravity. We don't know how to get rid of it, so we can't make the numbers work out because there are an infinite number of these things that are all just as likely to happen. Ooh, sounds like a problem. Yes. This process of getting rid of these loops is called renormalization. Okay. This gravity, therefore, is unrenormalizable. We can't get rid of all these extra loops. Okay. I think it's a nice, simple explanation. It doesn't really explain what it is. Yeah, yeah. These loops. yeah no, no. It understands. But, it's a good way to explain the, what, the problem. Everyone can understand, oh, that's a problem. Yeah. Now, relating what these loops are to, you know, things I've seen with my eyes... Probably, yeah, a lot harder. Difficult. Very difficult. Don't have, I don't have a good way to, to give you that. Okay, uh, this is where the protons and the protons... I, I talked about this uh, two weeks ago. Duoplasma okay. Uh What is entanglement? This was an interesting one because this is something that, uh, that she brought up. And, and because she hears about entanglement, she hears about all these crazy things that happen. Mm-hmm. But what is entanglement? And my first thing I said to her was, well, here's the weird thing. Most things are entangled. Most things you deal with are entangled in some way. We are interested in some very specific types of entanglement that can seem to be uh, non-local. And where, where non-local means... Hey, hold on, I got a question for yeah. you. Back to your Feynman diagrams, the gravity. Yes. The, the loops you're talking about there, is that the same word loop as in the one theory of like loop quantum gravity? No. No, okay. Not especially. Okay. Um... I don't, kind know. Of. I don't know anything about loop quantum gravity. I'm just wondering if you just brought up something that, you know, was if, if that loop was the loops of... in here have to do with self interaction terms. Okay. The the photon self interacting with the photon field. Uh, in this case the graviton would be self interacting with the gravitational field. Um, as opposed to simply interacting with the other other fields here in this case, other particles, but particles are fields. Okay. So these are self. I was just mostly terms. curious if that was some part of that theory. I mean, physicists don't really have good good terms for things, so we tend mm-hmm. to borrow. Sure. Uh, so not really. Okay. There's some at some point. There's a kind of, but yeah, not really. Okay. Good question though. Okay. Uh, so th- the thing I was trying to point here is that most things are entangled. When we do some sort of measurement of something, we are entangling something with with uh, with that measuring apparatus when you have uh molecules you know these these water molecules are all entangled 
uh, the atoms and stuff are all entangled with each other in various different ways. The interesting stuff happens when you very specifically get into a, an area where there's a vacuum and there's no other entanglements other things, and then you can keep one sort of entanglement with another thing and separate them out by distance. Mm-hmm. That's when very interesting stuff comes in. But for the most part, entanglement is very simple to understand. It's simply one thing, but one it's a system uh, that commutes with itself. It, it, it's a system that um, uh, you have these systems that are connected and because they're connected, one one influences the other. What we're doing in quantum mechanics is we're separating this system out, and the system still maintains itself as a complete system, even though it is not connected by any uh, thing that we would understand as typically connecting things. Okay, i got to work on that. But <laughs> uh, So that's some other things. I, I, I did a little thing on quantization here. This is about fields and... and Points and how temperature is a field and that sort of thing. So when I was listening to the, um, I think it was the Star Talk about the simulation stuff. Yeah. But this talk is I'm not I'm not taking this. Don't worry, I'm not taking this simulation. No. But they they were talking about um, Maxwell and how he was able to realize that light must have been quantized because it only came in certain powers. Like there was no in-between or something like that. Maxwell? Maxwell didn't do quantization. No. Planck. Planck. Remember when we talked about Planck, we talked about him in the black body spectrum. Okay. Was it Planck? Yeah. Maxwell Maxwell unified electromagnetism and... and, uh, Or unified... um, Electricity and magnetism into electromagnetism. Okay, so I got the name wrong. Yeah. But they were talking about how, you know, he was a, he was observing that light only came in certain quantities, which boggles my mind that he could tell that like, you know, difference between a photon and well less than a photon or or how like do you know anything about that experiment yeah, or well I mean. We we discussed it before, but I can go through it again. Do you okay. remember the black body spectrum? Somewhat, yeah. Okay, let's take a look at it again. Black body spectrum. So, oh, <laughs> that's a terrible image. Want to get it bigger? Here's a good okay. graph of the sure. body. I remember spectrum. this now. So as you get higher and higher, the peak of intensity of, of as an object gets to higher and higher temperatures, right? So what happens when uh, when something gets hotter and hotter? Well, we've all, we've, we've kind of known this for a while. What happens when something gets hotter and hotter is the uh, the molecules inside of it start moving around, right? Little these mm-hmm. little molecules stuff just start moving around and they start getting crazier and crazier start bouncing around each other as they get hotter and hotter. Well, those molecules are made of charged particles. As charged particles accelerate, they produce electromagnetic waves. Okay. So, as things get hotter and hotter, you start to produce higher and higher intensity electromagnetic waves. Okay. So this it, this then becomes visible light at a certain point. Okay. You get to a very hot point and the light becomes visible. It turns out that the But how does that get you to determining that light is quant 
the quantity of light is discrete. Well, so what what we had before was a distribution that seemed to it seemed like the distribution would go just kind of like a curve just like that and it would just keep going sure keep going keep going keep the more keep energy going. the more light okay but this was the observed spectrum right. you would get to you know the peak intensity as you got hotter and hotter would keep would sort of stay in the visible range and it would drop off significantly you know, it's, it's sort of said here in infrared, as you got hotter, it jumped into this visible range. Mm-hmm. The peak really, though, didn't, it never really got out of this visible range so much, even as you got super, super hot, and then it would really drop off significantly. This was an issue because they were trying to, because Planck was trying to understand how to make efficient light bulbs. He was tasked by the German government to figure out how to make efficient light bulbs because this was new technology mm-hmm. was going on. And this was, Planck was trying to understand why this was happening. Okay. Because it, this was before this. This was the problem of the ultraviolet catastrophe, where if the, if this curve just went up and up and up, if we just sort of assume that what's going on here is that it's just going to uh, release light at all the possible intensities it can, well, then that means it should release all of its energy immediately. But it's not releasing all of its energy immediately. It's, okay. it's not instantly turning cold. Okay. Right? These things maintain uh, some heat, and they get hotter and hotter. They they don't instantly throw out. I mean, like, even something very low, you see, it doesn't really get into here. But even, like, something about 1,000 uh, Kelvin, it does start to release some ultraviolet, and even some X-rays and stuff like that. Like, a fire will release some, some gamma rays. Mm-hmm. Not many, but it'll happen. Uh, but even as you get that really, really intensely high, it's not going to release a huge amount of gamma rays. You need to get super high for gamma rays to really start coming out. Sure, okay. So the question was, how come this thing gets maintained instead of just, just going up like that? And what Planck had to do is he had to put in a fudge factor, essentially. He said, well, the only way this makes sense is if the amount of energy that gets released... Uh, doesn't maintain it doesn't just get always probable to happen at every instant it's just that the there's a certain kind of step that it has to go through it has to go through a specific step a specific amount before it can release the energy and that's why at very high levels it just doesn't get to that step very often and at low levels it doesn't you know, it gets that step a little bit more often, but here at the most intense. Okay, it I mean, I understand often. all that, but where I question is, is, how does that get you to realize that it's a photon and not a wave? Well, right? that comes from Einstein. Einstein then took Planck's concept of this little, of this step, and then he interpreted an experiment that was happening, which is the photoelectric experiment. Okay, the photoelectric experiment. There was a plate of some kind of metal. And if you were to shine a light on this metal, then it would produce uh, a current of electricity. Right. Okay. I remember this. Sure. But if you did it with a low... If if you did it with any kind of light of, you know, white light or something like that, it would work. Blue light would work. Red light, it wouldn't work. Red light would not produce a current. Right? And so if light was just continual energy, well, then these electrons would eventually, ultimately, 
with whatever, how much, you could put the most intense red light possible on here and nothing would happen. If light was just waves of energy, then eventually these electrons would gain enough energy from the energy that was coming in to pop off okay. and start moving around. But it wouldn't. Even a small amount of blue light, though, very tiny intensity, was enough to get current going. And okay. so this is when Einstein then took Planck's idea, took Planck's kind of fudging number, and then said, what if we interpreted this as if it were the light is coming in a particle way? So the light has a, a specific amount of energy as sort of a packet. And at red light, it just doesn't have enough energy to knock these electrons out. Once you, so you can put as much energy as you wanted, but the packets are just coming in, just not enough energy to pump these electrons out of the metal. But once you put in some blue light in there, even just a couple instances of blue light, that's more than enough energy in that packet to pop these out. All right. So if it's a wave, the energy will accumulate. But if it's a particle that doesn't? Right. The The idea is, okay, so you have, if you just use it, the, the old sort of understanding of of how these work, you'd have some sort of proton in the middle and electron in orbit or whatever it was but in order to get the electron out of here you need to put enough energy into it that was known or you need to get energy into the electron in order to get it to jump into the rest of the metal mm -hmm. but so if you were just given energy then then after a while that should be enough energy to push the electron out but it never was you could give it as much red light as you want as high intensity red light as you want it was never enough energy to push the electrons out but once you got into a little bit higher wavelength of energy, the electrons would then bounce out. Even a very tiny amount. So you didn't have to have all this red light going on. You just had a little bit of white light come in, and that was more than enough energy to get the electron to jump out. Okay. All right. All right. I'm just trying to understand better. What's the part that's uh, that's giving you difficulty? The you were saying if light was a wave, then a simple wave as right. a simple class. If it was a wave. simple wave, then the energy would accumulate and cause it to pop out. Mm -hmm. But since it's not, and it's particles, that the energy doesn't accumulate. Right. Make it pop out. The energy just goes into making it maybe vibrate a little bit, move a little bit, but not enough to push the electron into uh, the, into the outer shell where it could, be, where it could move around okay. in the metal. Yeah, okay. You had to excite the electron enough to, to allow it to move. If the electron wasn't excited, then it wouldn't, then it would stay in place. There's a potential, right? It, it's a, you can think of it like it's down, the electron is down at the bottom of a hill. And if you give the electron enough energy, no, to I, under, I understand come out of that potential. I understand that part. I just understand how a l bunch of low energy particles can't, but slightly higher energy particles, no matter the quantity, can. Well, that that I led like, to quantum mechanics yeah, trying to understand okay. exactly that. I see. Why why is it the case that a little packet of that a bunch of little packets of not quite enough energy, doesn't build up, right? Right. Why is it that, that, you know, okay, so you're saying you're telling me it doesn't build up, why not? 
well, that's quantum mechanics. Okay. <laughs> at a certain point, you kind of say, well, that's the way it works at this level. At this level, if you don't have enough energy to to get above this potential, mm-hmm. then you're never going to get. Then you're never going to get above this potential. It's not a matter of I can keep this energy for a period of time. Remember the some of the idea. Like I can't hold on to this energy for any period of time. It, it just it'll just get radiated away or distributed away immediately mm-hmm. if it can't get me past this potential in, in out of this potential well. Okay. This is where, yeah, classical mechanics starts to fail. Uh, understanding this classically, well, all I can tell you is that this is what happens. If you want to know why mm-hmm. this happens, I've got lots of math I can show you. <laughs> no, thanks. But I don't have a way to say, well, other than, well, that's the way this actually works. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that you've been noticing classically, that's uh, that's kind of... Uh, that's a buildup from this very basic idea. When you get a whole lot of this together, it starts to then look fluid. Okay. But at the very basic level, it turns out that it works like this. Based on all of our understanding and all of our experiments. Okay. So if you ask me why does why does classical physics give way to quantum mechanics at this level? Well, <laughs> it, it does. Right. Uh, it just does. Okay. This is how it works. Okay. I, yeah. All right. That's enough for me. Okay. Let's move on then to beers. Sure. Sounds good. 